Right, let me tell you the story of the life and the death of Jim Elliot. Some people say this is a pretty tragic story. Uh, let me tell you what happened. Jim Elliot was a smart, good-looking, successful young man. Uh, he had a wife called Elizabeth and a little girl named Valerie. Uh, at the age of 28, Jim Elliot and four other Christian missionaries decided they wanted to take the news about Jesus to the Hurani people in Ecuador. It's like an unreached people group, hadn't had any contact with the world. And so they started with an aeroplane and they'd fly above this village with a loudspeaker and they'd kind of try and communicate and connect and start talking to these people and gave them some stuff. And then the missionaries and Jim built a little kind of base camp a little bit away from the, river, uh, from the, from the tribe and they planned to make contact in person with the Hurani people. Instead, though, on the, 28th, on the 8th of January, 1956, the Hirani people made contact with them. Ten warriors from the tribe came and they found the missionaries and they murdered all five of them and Jim left behind a wife and a one-year-old little girl named Valerie. Now, you tell me, is that a tragedy? Is that a wasted life? No, I'll tell you what a tragedy is. Let me tell you about PewDiePie. (laughs) Here's a little piece from an article about a YouTube sensation named PewDiePie. That's not his real name. This article is called Living the Dream. Swedish gamer Felix Arvid Ulf Kelberg is YouTube's most popular star. At 24 years old, Kelberg is also known as PewDiePie. He has made a name for himself by playing various video games and filming his ridiculous and hilarious reactions. And according to the Wall Street Journal, last year he earned 4 million US dollars just by doing that and putting it on YouTube. And a variety survey, a survey found that he is the third most influential figure among American teenagers today. And he gets all that recognition just for playing video games, something that most people pay to do. PewDiePie is living the dream. Now, there's a person who our world says is killing at his life. He's good-looking, he's rich, he's famous... And all he does is play video games and makes jokes about it. And our world says, look at that, there's a person who's made it. Jim Elliott's life is not a tragedy. This is a tragedy. Imagine the day, if he meets God one day, comes face to face with God, and God says, what have you done with the life I gave you? Imagine that moment if all he has to... I don't know the guy, I've got nothing against him, but imagine if he was to meet God and say, well, I played a lot of video games, God. I made a lot of people laugh. Imagine how ridiculous those words will sound on that day. That's a real tragedy. And the, the incredible thing, the really tragic thing is this... That's our world's idea of living the dream. That's our world's idea of the good life. Every single day, our world preaches to us this message. If you can be popular, if you can be rich, good-looking, and have as much fun as you possibly can without having to work too hard to get it, well, then you've made it in the eyes of our world. Brothers and sisters, you are being sold a lie. 
That's not the good life. That's a wasted life. How do you make sure that you don't waste your life? How do you make sure that at the end, when you stand before God, you've not wasted it? That you spent your life on something that actually matters? This is what Paul says in God's Word tonight, verse 2. How do you do that? Preach the Word. Preach the message about Jesus. Be prepared in season and out of season. That means when it's convenient, when it's hard, correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Preach the Word. What do you want to do with your life? Step back, think about your life. What do you want to do? Make a bit of money, enough to be comfortable, have a job that makes you feel happy, challenges you, fulfills you, maybe have a family with some kids of your own one day. Paul's goal in life was to preach a message, a message about Jesus. That's it. Preach that message. In another part of the Bible, before 2 Timothy happens, back in Acts chapter 20, when Paul's a younger guy, he tells us what he wants to do with his life. So at the end in 2 Timothy, or at the end of Paul's life, back in Acts, check out what Paul says when he's a younger man. He says, I consider my worth life worth nothing. My only aim is to finish the race, complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. He says, my, my life is worth nothing unless I can do just this one thing. Tell anyone who will listen about Jesus. That was his goal in life. That was how he measured his life. Now come back into 2 Timothy with me. As Paul writes here, he's writing as an old man. He's actually locked up in prison. He's about to get executed. And so these words here in 2 Timothy are some of his last ever written words. That's what verse 6 is talking about. Check it out. Look at verse 6. He says... I'm already being poured out like a drink offering and the time for my departure is near. Basically, Paul's saying, I've spent my life, I've poured it all out, I'm about to depart, I'm going to die. But that's okay because look at what I've done with my life. Look at verse 7, he says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Back in Acts, Paul was saying, at the end... My life will not have been a waste if I can just do one thing, run the race, do the job that Jesus has given me to do, preach the word, tell people this message. And now here at death's door, he's about to face execution, he's saying, I've done it. I've done my life's mission. I've ran the race. I have fought the fight. I have kept hold of the truth about Jesus. I haven't wasted my life. Imagine what kind of a, the joy it would be to get to the end of your life and to be facing death and knowing that the end of your life is now. Put yourself in Paul's shoes. Imagine facing death and being able to say, I've not wasted my life. I didn't waste it. I did something worthwhile. I spread this message about Jesus. Now, here's a question I want us to think about tonight. Why is that, particularly that, spreading this message about Jesus, why is that the best way to spend your life? See, what's so important about this message about Jesus? 
What makes it so special, so unique, that I can say PewDiePie, the world's view on things, that's a way to waste your life. But Jim Elliott, Paul, that's the best thing you can do with your life. How can we say that? Why is spending your life on Jesus the only way to truly not waste your life? Well, first of all, come back to verse 1 with me and see this. Guys, Jesus is coming soon. He's coming soon. See, in, chap- in verse 2, Paul's about to give this big charge. He calls it a charge, a big piece of advice in verse 2. But before he gives that, he gives the reason for it. Before he says, preach the word, he gives the reason. Look at verse 1. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. In light of all of that, he says, verse 2, preach the word. Now, he said a bunch of stuff about Jesus there. Did you catch it? He said that Jesus is the judge of the living and the dead. That's everyone. He says that he's the king. He's got a kingdom. And he says that he's going to appear. Jesus is going to appear again. He's going to come back. He's going to return. We don't know when that is. It could be another thousand years from now. It could be tomorrow. It really could be tomorrow. But whenever he does come back, all of human history, as we know it, is going to come to an end. You know in those disaster movies like Armageddon and 2012 and stuff like that, where they know that there's an asteroid headed through Earth and it's going to just destroy everything on the planet, all that kind of stuff. In those movies, when people realize that it's like the last day on Earth, everything goes crazy. People live their lives differently, don't they? Yeah? It's not like in those movies, they're like, asteroid coming for Earth. I might just play some PlayStation and watch some PewDiePie YouTubes. No, no, no. That, that people are hugging their families, taking every little drop of opportunity to do what they should have always done. The guy in those movies always tells the girl that he actually did love her all along. People are frantically just trying to do everything they possibly could to do what matters because they've only got one day left. I don't know if you ever thought about this. What would you do if you knew that tomorrow an asteroid was going to wipe out the world for good and life was going to be over? How would you spend your last day on earth? I thought about this before and I actually think that literally the best thing I could do with my last 24 hours on earth would be to tell as many people as I could about Jesus. It actually really would. People are going to die. (laughs) They need to get right with their God. What else matters at this point? People need to hear. Guys, if you knew that tomorrow was your last day on earth, how would that change the way you live tomorrow? It would change things a lot, wouldn't it? Especially, actually, if you're a Christian. And the Bible says that Jesus is coming back soon. He's going to appear could be as soon as tomorrow so live like that's the case preach the word about Jesus take every single possible opportunity you have because it could be your last one Jesus could come back tomorrow there's the first reason why spending your life on Jesus is the way to not waste your life here's the second one guys people don't realize how desperately they need the truth look at verse 3 Straight after the big charge, preach the word, verse 2. Check out verse 3. He says, 
for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. There's going to be a time where people won't like the truth and instead to suit their own desires they'll gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They'll turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. You guys catch that? People won't like the truth about Jesus even though that's the one thing they desperately need to hear. And so they're going to turn away from what they need to hear, the truth, to what they like hearing, what they want to hear, even if it's not true. Do you understand how crazy that is? The claim of the Bible is that the truth about Jesus, the message about Him, is the only way to be right with God. That's it. Jesus is coming back. He's the King, He's the Judge, It's heaven or hell. And you've got people going, yeah, but I don't like the sound of that. That doesn't sound very nice. Why don't you tell me something nicer? Tell me something easier to hear. Who cares what you want to hear, what you think sounds nice? What matters is reality. What's actually going to happen? I watched a movie this week called The Sugar Movie. Um, It's basically a documentary about how sugar is evil. So if you want to keep enjoying sugar, do not watch this movie. Um, But one of the things they talk about in this movie is the medical research that's kind of gone into sugar. You know, is sugar really bad for you? Is it okay? That kind of stuff. Now, one of the things they, they tell you is, guess who paid for lots of the research into whether sugar is really, really bad for you or not? Coca Cola. The billion-dollar company who gets rich every single year off giving people diabetes is the one who pays for the research into whether sugar's good or bad. Now, you can see why that's a problem, can't you? You've got to be careful where you're getting your information from stuff on. You've got to be careful what your source of truth is, who's deciding what to tell you, because Coke's the one telling you about whether you should eat sugar or not. That's a bad place to go to for your info, right? Now, as dumb as that is, as crazy as that is, That's nothing on what Paul's talking about here in verse 3. We're not very good at choosing for ourselves the truth. (laughs) One of the big things the Bible says about us actually is that we're sinful. Our desires are bent. Our hearts are bent away from the truth. We don't like the truth. We don't like to hear what God's Word says naturally. And Paul's saying that we're living in a time where people are going to like to choose for themselves what they should get taught. And so instead of listening to what they need to hear in the Bible, people are going to listen to what they think they want to hear. And so into that, Paul says, preach the word, because people don't realise how badly they need to hear the truth. Now guys, this is one of the reasons why here at Youth, we're committed to working through the Bible, book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse... Because if you do that, you're going to just come across what the Bible says and you're going to get what you need to hear rather than just picking and choosing the stuff we want to say. God sets the agenda, not us. And guys, it also means this. It means you're going to hear stuff here, at least, that's going to challenge you. You're going to hear stuff that's going to get under your skin. God's Word has got a habit of doing that. It's going to say stuff that actually disagrees with your worldview. You'll see the world one way and you'll read the Bible and hear it taught and you'll be like, well, that's a little bit confronting. 
seems a little bit rude even, a bit politically incorrect, whatever. If, if you're never even slightly challenged or even a little bit offended from time to time by the things that God's Word teaches you, then that means you're probably not listening to the right teachers. If God's Word isn't getting under your skin, then maybe you're just being taught what your itching ears want to hear rather than what you actually need to hear. So why is preaching the Word the best way to spend your life? Well, Jesus is coming back soon. People don't even realise how desperately they need the truth. And guys, here's the third thing. Heaven is waiting for everyone who follows Jesus. Check out verse 8. Paul's just said, I have run the race, I've fought the fight, I've kept the faith. Verse 8, now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. What's the crown of righteousness there? Well, it's not just for Paul, it's for anyone who's a Christian, anyone who's been longing for Jesus to come back. It's our right standing with God. It's Jesus' righteousness which has been given to us. Let me tell you guys something incredible about being a Christian. If you're a Christian, that means you're someone who's actually swapped life records with Jesus. It's as if Jesus has taken on your sin, your record of guilt, and He's paid for it at the cross, and you take on Jesus' righteousness. You actually get His life record as if you've lived the life He lived, and so you get counted as perfectly right with God. So God looks at you and he sees Jesus' righteousness. That's good news. When Paul gets to heaven, he knows that he's going to be welcomed in by God. And not just him, everyone who he's just spent his life sharing this message to, this message about Jesus, anyone who's put their trust in Jesus, they're going to be there with him too. In the eyes of the world, Paul didn't have a good life. He, he was single. He probably died a virgin. He wasn't rich. He had to make money by making tents. He wasn't popular. In fact, he was so unpopular that he was abused, he was beaten, people hurled rocks at him. As he writes this letter, he's sitting in a lonely jail cell waiting to be executed. In the world's eyes, he looks pretty pathetic. But he knows this. He's got the crown of righteousness. He's headed for heaven and he's taking as many people as he possibly can with him. And in the end, guys, that's what really matters. Eternity is a really long time. I think as Bible-believing Christians, we technically believe this stuff. Yeah, heaven, eternity. Yeah, we, we, we say we believe that. But I reckon in our lives, I reckon our lives so often show that we just don't get eternity. We don't really understand it. We don't have the right perspective on life. Let me try and help you with this. Some of you have seen this before, that's right. I've got a rope here, right? This little bit of red on this rope could represent our 70 years on this light, on this world. Call it 90, whatever. Medical science is doing good stuff, right? Here's our life. 70, 80, 90 years. That's what we get. It's pretty short. Now, it's, it's still a little bit, right? But compared to eternity... It's pretty short. The rest of this rope could, could represent eternity for us. And unlike that little red bit, it just keeps going and going 
and go on 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 and it almost, well, it actually does go on forever. I bought an endless rope, right? Eternity <laughs> is a really long time, especially in comparison to 70, 80 years on this life. Now, here's the crazy bit, though. What you do with this little red bit is the thing that determines where you spend your eternity. (laughs) It's the thing that determines where you spend your eternity. This little bit here, particularly what you do with this person, Jesus, and this message of salvation determines where you spend all of that. And not only for you, actually, because you're here for more than just to save your own skin, what you do in this life here determines where others spend eternity too, because you can share this message about Jesus with them. But the really crazy thing is, I think as we live our lives in this little red bit for just a split second until we head into eternity, heaven or hell, we get consumed with this bit. We don't think about the rest of it. We say we believe in eternity, but we don't live as if it's real. Seems like we spend all our time focusing on just the little bit here, making some money, getting a good job, chasing a boyfriend or girlfriend, playing sport, work, family, friends. We get busy with all sorts of good things here, but we don't live in light of eternity. We don't have perspective on just how big the rest of our existence is going to be. Eternity is the point. It's the main game. (laughs) That's where we're headed for the rest of our existence. Where are you going to spend it? Have you worked that out yet? And if you have, where are your friends and family going to spend it? Where's the whole world out there going to spend eternity? Use your life for something bigger. Use your life to tell people about Jesus. Preach the word. Don't waste your life. You only get one shot at it. Don't waste it. Now, what needs to change for you if you want to make sure you don't waste your life? What would that mean for you? First of all, what do you need to stop doing? What distractions are stopping you from getting the right perspective on life? What things are distracting you away from the main game of eternity and got you focused in just on that little red bit? What things... Consume your thoughts. Where does all your time go? Where does all your money go? What things in your life get the best bit of you every single week? Usually it's not even the sinful things. It's, it's just good stuff that we make ultimate. Sports, study, whatever. None of those things are bad. They're not. <laughs> but what if you spent your whole life living for whatever it is for you? What if you spent your whole life on that instead of Jesus and this message that everyone needs to hear. Imagine you get to heaven, right? Do you reckon any of us are going to get to heaven and you're going to hear this conversation? Ah, you know what? I just wish I spent more time watching Netflix. I mean, I saw seasons one through six of Gilmore Girls, but I never... You're making the point I'm making, right? Um, I saw seasons one through six, but... I haven't seen seven. Like, what's going to happen? Are Lorelai and Rory going to be happy? Who knows? You know, I don't think that's going to be a conversation you're going to hear in heaven. I'm serious. You're not going to hear that in heaven. 
wish I saw season seven of Gilmore Girls, said no one ever in heaven. Now, if you're so consumed by some of these good things that just ultimately are distractions, that could actually mean in this life now that you need to give up some stuff altogether. It could mean selling your PS4, cancelling Netflix, it could mean something like that, or it could at least mean this, that you'll be very careful how you, how you use those things. You'll be very careful and pay a lot of attention so that whatever it is for you doesn't come in and take over your life. I'll give you another example. <clears throat> at some point in the future, most of you guys are going to have to choose what do you want to study, where do you want to work, what kind of job do you want to do, all that kind of stuff. Now, as you think about that, you might think about one apprenticeship or uni degree or job or whatever, and for you, that is it. You know that more than anything in the world, you want to be a doctor or a plumber or an engineer or whatever it is, right? You've got your heart set on this particular thing, and you pretty much know that if you get that, it's going to be pretty all-consuming because you want it real bad and you're so set on it. It might actually mean for you that you need to actually decide to not be this teacher or that plumber or that doctor or whatever and go do something else that's not going to take over and run your life. You might need to make some big decisions about what you're going to do with the majority of your time because there's a danger it's going to take over. What things do you need to stop so that you don't waste your life? Secondly, guys, what things do you need to start doing? Who is Jesus, who is God, put in your life who needs to hear about Jesus? Who are the people around you who so obviously need to hear this message? Tell them. Start talking. How could you get on board with the mission of Jesus here at Eva Youth? Do you come here to have a bit of fun and hang out with your friends? Or do you actually come here to get on mission, to get involved, to serve, to see this thing happen. Yeah, outside of what God does, humanly speaking, do you know what makes this place work? It isn't the leaders, it is actually you guys. You're the ones who bring your mates, you're the ones who actually can connect with people when they come, you're the ones who do all the ministry and the serving and so start coming to youth to be on mission, to spend your life for Jesus, get serving in a ministry, do whatever you've got to do now to use your life, use everything you've got to invest in the things of Jesus. What do you need to start doing so you don't waste your life? Here's the last thing. <clears throat> what might this mean for your future? What could this mean for your future? Are you someone who should actually consider giving up your regular normal paid job to go and do full-time gospel ministry somewhere in the world? Like I said earlier, EV Youth Church is, is what it is because regular people who work normal jobs come along and serve and get on mission, but all of that also does need people to actually step out of the workforce and be leaders and be teachers of God's people as well. And to do that, they leave the workforce and church pays them to be pastors and leaders and teachers. Are you someone who needs to do that one day? Lead and teach God's people, maybe here at EV Youth. Maybe overseas in another country as a missionary. Maybe here in Australia, you plan a church, whatever. 
Guys, full-time gospel ministry, giving up your job and working full-time doing this stuff, isn't some magical thing that means if you do that, suddenly you've not wasted your life. That's not the case. You could go into full-time gospel ministry and still waste your life, and you could stay in another job and not waste your life there. But full-time ministry is a great opportunity to spend your whole week, every hour you've got, maximising your opportunities to talk about Jesus. That's why it's a good option. Many of you guys should consider actually giving up, giving up your life, giving up work in that sort of way and giving yourself to this. You guys have got an incredible amount to offer. I don't know if you realise this, but you, God has given you a lot. Many of you older crew in seniors, if you've been coming to G-teams and youth for a while, you are better theologically equipped than many pastors and leaders overseas in places like China and Africa. You guys have a lot to offer. How are you going to make sure you don't waste your life? How are you going to spend it? I want to pray for us. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the life you've given us. Father, please make us so aware that we only have one life. And that it's yours. So we pray, Lord, that you would use us. Father, we pray that you give us the discipline to stop things that we know we need to stop for the sake of not wasting our lives and start things we know we need to start so we don't waste our lives. And Father, I pray that in this place you'd raise up many people who would go out into the world and across Australia and spread this message about Jesus. I pray, Lord, that dozens and hundreds of people would actually go out from this place and take this message to other parts of our world. Father, please take our lives, use them for your cause in the world, use them to spread this message. And I pray that when we stand before you at the end, we'd be able to say, I haven't wasted it. All to your glory. Amen.